for all the noise and, and the threats that we're hearing about Bill 148 and what private businesses should be paying and how much time you should be getting, you really need only look at who is saying it. Because most of those pres- protesting the moves uh, of labor reform by the Ford government actually are the very same people who work for the public sector. And if you look at what they're taking home, I mean, it's pretty shocking because there's a huge gap between private and public wages. Fraser Institute has just uh, commissioned a study showing that government employees make 10.6% higher wages compared to those in the private sector. They also retire earlier, take more time off for personal leave. They've got job security and very generous pensions. And with a $15 billion deficit that has to be paid down, all the exploding debt, there's no question there's fat to be trimmed. And the one area they suggest Ford could do is simply bring government sector workers in line with private sector. (laughs) You think that's going to happen? It's the exact reason you are hearing the public sector making so much noise over these labor reforms because they do not want anybody touching the public trough. Let's bring in Ben Eisen, who did this study for the Fraser Institute. He joins us now. Ben, you need only look at the you know antics that we've seen in the last 24 hours over Bill 148 uh, that I, I can I can safely say what you're going to talk about is not going to be popular. This fact that if we just streamline the the salaries and the wages and the holidays of the public sector with those in the private sector, we could actually save a lot of money. Well, I, you know, we, we can't always be sure what will be popular and what aren't and what won't be, and that's not our objective. Our objective is to measure things that matter uh, to the Canadian economy and the health of uh, Canadian society. And that's why what we've, the, the exercise we've conducted for today is so important, uh, where we've actually measured the gap uh, between how much people working in government earn uh, compared to people working uh, in similar jobs, which is to say similarly educated, similar amount of experience, similar amount of skills, uh, similar jobs in the, uh, in the private sector. And we find there's a very meaningful gap uh, just on wages. So before you get into any kind of other kinds of benefits, there's a 10.6% mm-hmm. gap uh, between the two. So you're right. It's a real source of uh, additional spending. Yeah. I mean, look, the public sector was never designed to make people rich. It was, it was about, you know, uh, good jobs that offered a lot of stability. Mm-hmm. But then that changed in the liberal years where they actually started to make a lot of money and they were still getting big pensions and, and, and. And so they've been uh, become addicted somewhat to the, to the good life. Um, but they'll argue... Don't lower our wages, raise the wages of the private sector. Well, I think it's important to recognize that market processes are what drive wages in the private in the private sector. There's no uh, go, no wand that government can can wave to uh, to cause employers and employees to meet at different possible prices uh, for the sale of wage in in the private sector. Uh, but when they're what they do have a lot of control over is where government wages are set and whether those wages are competitive with the market, which by the way they need to be to attract high quality, skilled, educated people into public service, uh, or whether they're in fact paying a premium paying more than you need uh, to attract comparably skilled workers uh, from the private sector. And that's where you raise big issues, not only for uh, the health of public finances, which, as we all know, are a serious issue in Ontario, but also for the issue of fairness for people in the private sector whose wages are determined by market forces and aren't getting this pay premium uh, that's the result of government decisions. I mean, Doug Ford said and ran on the fact that he will not cut anybody's jobs. And so when you look at your report that suggests if he really wants to make savings and bring the province back, back into, you know, a healthier state, the way to do that is to scale back the wages and holidays and pensions of those in the public sector. That ain't going to fly. 
Well, what's going to fly and not is, again, not my area of expertise, but I do think that, uh, that in terms of what needs to be done and, and what our report suggests uh, would actually help get the province's economies, uh, public finances back on track, uh, is to take a, a long-term approach and try and address this the issue over time. You know, something as big as how much people in the government sector, which is very large, uh, are earning relative to people in, in the private sector, something like that isn't addressed overnight with one, with one sudden policy change. It's a something that's done over a long period of time by showing restraint in negotiations when collective bargains come up, by having private sector wages growing faster than public sector wages, and perhaps even in light uh, of a substantial pay premium such as we find existing now, holding the nominal line and freezing uh, spending in so, uh, wages in some areas for some period of time. So I don't think it's the kind of thing uh, where you can realistically expect government to, to instantly uh, address this issue, uh, and nor, nor would it be reasonable to expect them to. Uh, but to not realize that it is a major source of additional spending Mm -hmm. uh, and take some action over time to reverse the trend and promote more fairness for people working outside of government, uh, I think would be a big mistake. Yeah, I mean, look, you can reduce the wages, and you're not just talking about at the provincial level. Your study looks at federal levels, municipal mm -hmm. levels. It's just streamlining the, the amount we pay out to these government jobs. Um, you could actually do that, ease budget pressure, and then you don't have to affect services. How would that work? Because That's you will get angrier employees, won't you? Well, I don't think you do need to. Ha I don't think you do need to have angrier employees. Uh, you, you, because I think that it is important to be competitive. Again, uh, we need governments to be a high-quality employer to attract high-quality people. Just like any firm uh, that's trying to deliver uh, goods and services that customers want uh, needs to have good, talented, educated, appropriate people working for them. So too does government need those people um, to deliver the public services that people demand. Uh, but to get that, you need to pay uh, mm -hmm. wages that reflect the market price of labor, not that exists with a 10% premium on wages uh, before you even get to additional uh, additional benefits like pensions, earlier retirements, greater job stability, and so on. So I think that if it's handled uh, in the context of helping make sure that people understand uh, that Ontario is in a real fiscal hole, uh, we have a lot of work to do uh, to, to get the, the budget in a more sustainable condition and, and make it so that it's possible to keep commitments, uh, such as making sure that uh, people don't wind up losing their job uh, in, a, in a really crisis-driven fiscal consolidation at some point in the future. Um, I think it, it very well may be possible uh, to do in a way to address the issue that we identified uh, over time in a way that, uh, that that doesn't result in the sort of unhappy campers that you're talking about. And do you get the sense that that's the direction they're going to go in? I mean, look, they, they can cut the public sector, uh, certainly at the provincial level, by just attrition, getting rid of uh, you know, repetition in job spaces and getting rid of positions that just simply aren't fi uh, filled. But do you get the sense that this government will, in fact, look to move back wages and cut back without cutting people? Well, exactly how they're going to approach it is uh, is tough to guess. It's tough to guess. It's an interesting situation in which uh, a government was elected uh, without a ton of clarity because of all the changes in the leadership right before uh, the election. Didn't have as detailed a platform as sometimes uh, exists. So there's a lot of uh, uncertainty uh, about exactly what policy direction will be taken, particularly in the fiscal policy arena, uh, where uh, the previous leader of the PCs that did have a more detailed uh, platform on the campaign trail uh, did not have a particularly uh, aggressive plan in his platform to deal with public finances, address spending, and, uh, and get the deficit under control, and public sector wage restraint would have to be a big part of that. Um, but whether this current iteration of the government will proceed with that kind of thing and aggressively work uh, to get that $15 billion deficit that is identified down to size, uh, on that question, it, it really is impossible to predict in advance. Yeah, and it will start an absolute war if we start actually seeing that kind of talk out of Queen's Park, but I would welcome that. I would welcome this kind of talk. All right, Ben, thanks so much. We'll chat with you again. Thank you very much for having me on the show. Have a nice evening.
That is Ben Eisen, also the fastest talker in the whole wide world.